This is the Graceway Baptist Church Sunday School Hour. We're going over our lesson that's going to be presented on November 27th, 2022. Happy Thanksgiving, and uh, I guess it's about time to say Merry Christmas to all of you, and thank you for tuning in on this, whether you are one of the people that are trying to keep up with Sunday School because you can't be there in person. God bless you for doing that, and if you are a teacher, thank you again. We're about to complete another year, and I just want to say thank you for your service to the Lord, to his church, and to our people, and thank you for your diligence and your study and all that you do. Looking again at the life of Daniel, we come to this part where Daniel has uh, already been through the lion's den, and as he is studying the word of God, or continuing to study the word of God in the book of Jeremiah, he finds that the exile is just about to be over. Now, as Daniel is looking at that and understanding the word of God and taking it and uh, taking it literally, by the way, he understands now that uh, there are certain things and challenges, uh, problems, and particularly sin that must be dealt with, even though, let's be honest, Daniel probably wasn't even alive for most of the things that had caused the exile. Daniel was a young man when he was taken into captivity, probably in his teenage years, as we've said before. And uh, so he's lived almost all of his life in captivity as a result of the sins of his, well, parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, all of those who had been warned by the prophets but chose to ignore that warning. And yet when Daniel talks about this, you'll notice as he prays, he doesn't say they have sinned. He says, we have sinned. And I think that there is an idea of uh, identification that is important here for us to remember. And I wonder, as Americans, as Christian Americans, we certainly pray for our country, but I wonder sometimes if we pray with a finger pointed at other people. It's the president, it's the vice president, it's the Congress, it's the governor, it's the state legislature, it's the mayor, and uh, it's the school board, it's the principal, it's the teacher. I mean, we can go on and on with that. It's Hollywood and those type of things. And we point fingers and say, Lord, forgive us because they have sinned. Instead of understanding that we participate in that, we have contributed to the sin and the sinfulness of our nation. And Daniel was doing that, even though he didn't do the biggest and the worst of the sins, yet he still was a sinner who contributed his part to it. Might've been a small part, but it still contributed. He couldn't add perfection to anything. He could only add his sin. And so uh, that spiritual identification, I think, is very important. Daniel never forsook the Lord according to the word of God or his ways in spite of all of the difficulties he had endured from a young age. He withstood the peer pressure of an idol-worshiping pagan society, and <clears throat> he overcame persecution and the threat of death, and in spite of his faithfulness, he identified with the unfaithfulness of his ancestors. And in his prayer, he says, we have sinned. And notice that he did not say they have sinned. 
his loyalty was to God and to his fellow Jews. Now, maybe there's something in there for us to consider and to think about as we look at this world. I know we're not of the world, but we are actually in the world. And sadly, even as Christians, we contribute far too much to the bad things that go on in the world. Now, again, if we do, are to compare, it's probably not a huge thing. It's something that most people would overlook. And yet at the same time, it still contributes to the uh, tsunami of sin, I guess we would say, that is overwhelming our culture now. So we've got to be careful. And sin, I mean, we can redefine it. We can uh, try to cover it up. We can ignore it. Uh, we can try to accept it. But really, the only way to deal with it biblically is to start with acknowledging it. So even in the discipline of God, nothing really happens until sin is acknowledged. Now, these 70 years of exile have certainly been the discipline of God on the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah. And though Daniel was not actually a participator fully in the sins that are going to be named in here, he still uh, felt the um, effects, I guess we would say, of that sin. Now, our children and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren, they're not accountable for our sins, but they are affected by our sins. If you take a little baby and bring him home from the hospital, lay him in a crib and you never bathe him, you never uh, clean him up, you never change his diapers, and you don't feed him, and you don't pay any attention to him at all, that baby is going to suffer the effect of your sin. The baby's not going to sin, and the baby will be innocent of wrongdoing there, but he is affected by the sin of his horrible parents, right? And that happens, and that's what we need to think about. Our sins really are visited to the third and the fourth generation. So let's think of it like this. Number one, Sin is ultimately against God. When Daniel starts to pray here, he says, and I prayed to the Lord my God. This, of course, as you know, is not just a thing that any God will do, any God of any type, uh, as long as, you know, we mean well as we pray to him or her, uh, it'll all be okay. No, you have to pray and acknowledge your sin to the right God, the only God, the true and the living God, because sin is ultimately against God. So Daniel starts this off addressing this to the Lord, and it reminds me of Psalm 51, where David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Now, it wasn't that David did not sin against Bathsheba or against Uriah the Hittite. It was, however, true that in spite of his sin, they couldn't really forgive him. Only God could actually forgive. And it was sin because God had said, thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not commit adultery. And David had done both of those things. So David has to address his sin and his prayer to God, just like Daniel does here. Because God alone defines sin and God and God alone can forgive sin. And he forgives sin on the basis, not just of our confession or admission of sin, there has to be a sacrifice made for sin. You remember in the book of Genesis, in chapter four, both Cain and Abel brought a sacrifice 
and I'm assuming they brought it sincerely before the Lord. But only one was an acceptable sacrifice, and that was the sacrifice, <coughs> pardon me, that Abel brought to him. And in the same way, we can come before the Lord on the basis of many, many things. I'll try harder, I feel bad, I'll do better next time, or whatever it might be. And yet the truth of the matter is there's only one acceptable sacrifice, and that is the sacrifice that God provided, and that is the sacrifice of, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that reminds us during this Christmas season, we are so concerned that the world knows the facts about the incarnation, that Jesus came and Jesus was born. But really the important thing in addition to that is why did he come? And he came to be the perfect sacrifice and the only sacrifice and the final sacrifice for the sin of human beings like us. And we forget sometimes that God is glorified when he forgives sin. He's not reluctant. He's happy to do it. Psalm 85 or 86 verse 5, for you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. If there's anything we ought to be doing as believers right now in our culture is calling upon the God who is willing to forgive our sins and the sins of our nation and the sins of our ancestors that are affecting us today. Number two, sin is clarified when we compare ourselves to God. Now, one of the things that we always do, and, and boy, is this age we live in really good at it, we assign sin, uh, it's blame to genetics, uh, and that may be true to some degree, but we try to escape responsibility because of that. We assign it to maybe a, a mental illness or something. We give a syndrome or a set of initials to it, and we say, well, I can't help it because I have whatever. Well, that may be true, and we do acknowledge the fact that there are things that happen that are organic in our lives and in our brains that keep us from thinking properly and acting properly, and we know that. But let's be honest, most of the time, the vast majority of the time, we're just playing games because we don't really want to admit our sin. And even if we do admit it to some degree, we don't really intend to change. We enjoy it. Well, the Bible tells us something different. Solomon said in the book of Proverbs, whoever confesses, that means to admit sin, and forsakes his sin shall obtain mercy. And the reason we're not obtaining mercy is because we may admit our sin, but we certainly don't intend to forsake our sin. And so we've got to get it, and we've got to get it right. And if I'm going to compare myself to somebody else, I can always find somebody worse. You can always find somebody that has done more or done worse, or we can try to even redefine or rename sin. We just don't call it sin or uh, consider it to be sin anymore. None of that works and none of that matters. And so in spite of doing all of that and justifying our sinful lifestyles, we are still most unhappy in this day and age and we are still miserable and we are still trying our best to gain peace. And the only way we can do that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Daniel prays 
continues in his prayer anyway, and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, <clears throat> who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commands. Now, there's something that is kind of implied here. God is great, God is merciful, and God is faithful. And I think the implication is in there, Daniel is saying, and we, your people, are not. We've not kept the covenant. You have kept the covenant, and you've done it perfectly, and you've done exactly what you said you would do. I'm sure there was a fair amount of, why is this happening to us in the exile? The land is invaded. They are taken over. The best of them are taken to Babylon. The temple is destroyed. Their fortunes are plundered and only the poor and the elderly are left behind in the land. Why would God do this? He made a covenant with us. He made a promise with us. Well, the truth of the matter is they had broken the covenant, and so God was doing exactly what he said he would do if they broke the covenant. And so uh, we justify our sin in so many different ways, and we justify ourselves by comparing ourselves with others. Proverbs chapter 20, verse six, most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? And that tells me that God is not just interested in can we excuse ourselves or can we explain our sin or come up with a good reason for it, but are we showing a pattern of faithfulness? Meaning that when we sin, we confess it, and we can forsake it. We hate it like God hates it, and we end up being, well, the direction of our life is not perfection. The direction of our life is faithfulness. And so when we uh, think about um, the faithfulness that we are supposed to show, we have to come to the conclusion, number three, that sin is rebellion and disobeying God. It's not just a mistake. It's not just a flaw. It's not because we are ruined and broken people, you know, as we like to say. That is true. But the fact of the matter is we are sinners by nature and also sinners by choice. And when we think about sin, it's not just like we innocently tripped over a crack in the sidewalk or something like that or said something that we didn't mean to say. It's that we have a nature that is drawn towards sin, that loves sin, and we commit sin um, many times without even thinking, don't we? Shouldn't have said that, we might say. I shouldn't have done that. Well, I didn't really mean that. Well, that's not always entirely true. Daniel's prayer goes on in verse five. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. What was the sin? God had laid down the law and they departed from it. They crossed the line. They went over the border. They strayed into a place they shouldn't have been and they paid for it. Just like sheep, when they get out of the pen and they get attacked by the wolf, you know, that's what happens so often. And yet we are not like uh, sheep. Well, we are like sheep in many ways, but unlike sheep, we can think and reason and we can understand what's good, bad, right, or wrong. And we should be finding safety in obeying God, but instead 
we want to uh, run the red lights, so to speak. And so it's not up to us. What do I feel like? What do I think? What do I want to do? It's what has God said, and that's where we need to stay. And God's word was clear, not obscure. It was objective, not subjective. He didn't say do what feels right, do what you think is right, do your best, and hope that it's blessed, and I'll take care of the rest. He didn't say that. Obey me. <clears throat> and it was given, not discovered. Can you imagine if God said, I've got laws that I want you to live by, and I put them in a little box, and I buried them in a sand dune somewhere in the Sahara Desert. And then he hands you a shovel and says, go find it, and just pray and hope that you find it before you die. Well, nobody would ever make it then, and God knew that. We would never discover the ways of God or the will of God or the plan and purpose of God or the laws of God, would we? And so God was so good to just give it to us. He lays it out for us in the Bible. And for the Jews, especially the first five books of the Bible, the Torah or the Pentateuch, as it's called. And their rebellion then was willful, not accidental. This isn't something that came and tackled them from behind. This isn't something that they just kind of tripped up over. First Thessalonians chapter four, seven and eight says, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has also given us <coughs> his Holy Spirit. Okay, so you get the idea here. This is a rejection of God. Just like when the people told Samuel, we want a king. And Samuel took it personal, and God said, no, Samuel, they've not rejected you, they have rejected me. And that's what it always boils down to. I've got a better idea, I've got a better way, I'll take care of this, and Lord, whenever I need you, then I'll call you, and uh, you just be ready to answer whenever I think I need you. And we don't understand just how sinful that really is. Number four, Sin is disregarding the proclamation of truth. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, the preachers, the teachers, who spoke in your name, that means with God's authority, to our kings and our princes, to our fathers, <coughs> excuse me, and the people of the land. Okay, so what's going on? Same thing that happens in your Sunday school class. There are any number of people in there that listen and love you and they are learning and growing. There are also people in there that are bored, they're daydreaming, uh, they don't really think that what you say is relevant to their life and they're making excuses and they're already planning what they're going to do in violation of what you teach. Think about what it's like in church when I preach. There are any number of people out there looking at Facebook, sending text, writing notes, talking, daydreaming, making out their grocery list, whatever it might be, and not heeding what the Lord says. And then they're always surprised whenever things go wrong in their life. Now, granted, we can do everything right and there will still be attacks of the enemy and there'll still be things that will go wrong. But when we do willingly ignore the word of God and the truth of the word of God as it's being taught by our preachers and our teachers, and we fail to 
respond to the word properly and to submit to them, then you can guarantee things are going to happen and you shouldn't be surprised whenever they go wrong. So think about these things. The warnings of the prophets were ignored and there wasn't just one, there were a lot of them. And even though they were servants of God, they were ignored. And even though they represented and spoke for God, they just weren't taken seriously, ask Jeremiah. The leaders also ignored the prophets and the people ignored the prophets. This was not, you couldn't place blame on just one segment of society. Everybody kind of shared in all of this, even the people of the land. Who are the people of the land? Well, they're the ones who inherited the land from the freed slaves of Egypt. That's why there were tribes, the sons of Jacob uh, were the heads of their 12 tribes of Israel and uh, the land was divided by them and their children and their grandchildren and great-grandchildren inherited that. So all of this was part of the covenant of God and these are the people of the land. And as far back as Moses, uh, they of course had been warned. I want you to turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy 30 verses one through six. Now we're going way back even before the death of Moses when we read this verse. And Moses in Deuteronomy is giving them, uh, the word Deuteronomy literally means a second giving of the law. The deuter is uh, two and the nomos is the Greek word for law, the second law. He's redoing this before they go into the land. And so now this is Moses speaking. <clears throat> now it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you the blessing and the curse which I set before you, and you call them to mind according uh, among all the nations where the Lord your God sends you or drives you. And you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, and with all your heart, with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out <clears throat> to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you and from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Isn't that interesting? <clears throat> this is basically what Daniel is doing exactly what Moses said, and he is doing it for a, from a foreign land, just as Moses said. In Deuteronomy 31.5, this is the Lord speaking. The Lord, pardon me, 31.6, the Lord said to Moses, behold, you were about to lie down with your fathers, you're gonna die, and the people, this people will arise and play the harlot <clears throat> with the strange gods of the land into the midst of which they 
are going and they will forsake me and break my covenant, which I have made with them. So God wasn't caught off guard. Neither should Israel have been caught off guard. This had been prophesied. This was going to happen because of the people's disobedience. And boy, it didn't take long, did it? And yet God, slow to anger, rich in mercy and grace, over and over and over and over, he warns them. He's patient with them. There are times, think about the book of Judges, when they fall so far, he brings them back. He restores them. And then there are other times, you think about under the various wicked kings and the split of the kingdom, and you think about how bad things were, and yet God would give them times of revival, times of refreshing, <clears throat> but he kept warning them, the judgment's coming, and this is something that I have told you for hundreds of years. The judgment <clears throat> is coming upon you when you don't obey me. Pardon my voice, by the way. So it's finally happened. They've been taken captive. 70 years has passed. And then now Daniel is doing exactly what Moses said would happen all of those hundreds of years and generations before. How did he know that? Because the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit and God knows all things. He even knew the sin of the people that was getting ready to take place. So Daniel is not blaming previous generations, <clears throat> but he is identifying with them because he also was a sinner, deserving of God's judgment. This also pictures Jesus, doesn't it? Think about the fact that Jesus came to earth and the Bible says that he identified with us taking on the form of sinful humanity and yet doing it without sin. And when he died on the cross, he was dying as the innocent for the guilty, paying the penalty for our sin, something, of course, Daniel could not do. When Jesus died then, he said, it is finished. He's laid in the tomb because the debt had been paid. It was completed. There was nothing left to do. Jesus arose from the dead, of course, and then ascended where he's at the right hand of God the Father. And what is he doing? Well, we find that he participated uh, and identified with sinners, and he's a sympathetic high priest in heaven because he understands that we're flesh. He understands what it is to be tempted. Yet he did it without sin. He is our conqueror and he's sympathetic, and he is doing something, praying for us. With the heart that only Jesus could have as someone who's been here and lived through this and conquered it, <clears throat> did it perfectly, pleasing to God. Now he's at the right hand of God the Father, and like Daniel, he not only identifies with us, but he is praying for us. A lot of things we can see here. And so as we think about this, You've got to acknowledge sin personally, and our nation has to acknowledge sin personally as well. How does a nation acknowledge sin? By her people acknowledging sin. Now, I don't know if we'll ever get to where the majority of the people in America acknowledge and repent of sin. I pray so. But I do also believe that it's up to Christians. We are the ones where it has to begin. So will you do that today? You're an American, you're an American Christian, but you're also an American sinner, aren't you? 
Take that and identify with it and bring it before the Lord and say to the Lord, we have sinned. Thank you for your time. And I pray the Lord blesses you and that you have a very, very fruitful week. We'll look forward to seeing you again soon. God bless.